Chiefs are just about ready to head up to St. Joe and get after it for the 2023 season. What's happening right now on this 4th of July weekend? Check it out today on Locked On Chiefs. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back, friends and neighbors. Yes, 4th of July weekend is going all the way till Wednesday now. That's what I've decided because Matt Derrick is here from Chiefsdigest.com, and I have to wait till Wednesday, so I'm calling that a weekend. Welcome. Thanks for making us your first listen. Make another Lockdown Show your next listen. Maybe the draft show, maybe the NFL show, maybe the Raiders. Maybe you want to know what's going on with the Bills or the Patriots or all these teams that have rumors floating around them. Check out those shows as well because we're here on YouTube as well as Spotify, Apple, all the audio platforms. We're here five days a week all year long. You everydayers know that, but if you want to become an everydayer, they call themselves locos on this show. Get liked, sub, and hit that bell here on YouTube as well as the audio platform. So we're going to get into it with Matt here about the topic of the day, and that is preparation now that we are past the holiday. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics and Performance Consulting, NFL33.com, as well as RGR Football. Matt, it's that time. This is the magic tripping wire I always find. Uh, I turn weekends into Tuesdays, even though the holiday is on a Tuesday this year. Uh, by the time this goes out, we're back. And for me, that's when everything starts to tick up. I think fan interest picks up. This is where players should be back from their vacations and everything. Most of, for the most part, right now, got the golf match out of the way. Now it's about just training up to get ready for that first couple of days at camp. Is it not? Yeah, this is this is this is kind of the last week when everything kind of starts winding down a little bit. Um, you'll start to get more people in the facility next week. You know, remember this team goes to St. Joe on July 18th, and um, there's got to be some guys and gals uh, packing up all the gear and getting everything ready for the the, the trip up to St. Joe, uh, get everything set up. So we're really only about a week away from that. Uh, when, when you know, the, the, the athletic training staff and the, the equipment managers and everybody like that's going to start getting everything set up in St. Joe. So uh, really, it's pretty close. I mean, you're starting to get to the point where a lot of people are getting back to work and obviously the players will have, will have a little bit longer. But uh, this is probably everybody's last week of time off before things start to get really earnest next week. Yeah, it's it's got to be jumping the fire. And I, this is what comes around. We, we've talked about this in years past, but I think we should revisit it just for a minute. For those of you who are not new or your new subs to this channel, Matt's with us all year long on, on Wednesdays generally and post-game as well. Matt's covered more camps than I have from a long shot. And it's always the same thing that trips guys up, especially newcomers to this roster, is the first couple of days are two things, the conditioning test and practice tempo. And that's what I think guys right now have to start honing in on, even if you are somebody that's been on this roster before. There's still an uptick yet to come once they get to St. Joe. Yeah, and, and you know, and think about it, there's there's a few players obviously that were on the front from the roster last year who have not been through an Andy Reid training camp and uh Kadarius Tony can you know good luck, you know, you'll 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 get to find it soon. But yeah, that is the one thing. And I'm glad you mentioned the tempo because I don't think that an Andy Reid training camp um compared to 10 years ago or um, even five years ago is quite the same. I mean, it's changed a little bit. Um, but the one thing that doesn't change is the tempo. And that's the thing that really gets the newcomers who gets the rookies and the free agents, because there is no dilly dallying. There is no lollygagging. You are going to work. You're going to work quickly. And if you don't work quickly, you're not going to keep up. Um, and, and that's something, you know, for the rookies, when they come in, hey, the, that three day rookie mini camp that they get right before the veterans report. 
um, that's just just them. It's private. They're, it's not open to the public. Um, you know, that is really two things. It's one refreshing and helping them relearn everything that they picked up during OTAs. But it's also letting them know what training camp is going to be like. You know, they did a, you know, typically the last day of uh, workouts during OTAs and during the mandatory mini camp for Andy Reid is just going through what the what the physical test will be, what the fitness test is, going through what, you know, a daily, you know, camp practice is going to be like. So that that rookie mini camp is when they get the the feel for what it's really going to be like. And it is a welcome to the NFL for a lot of guys. Well, and we're going to talk about that in the next segment because there's a couple of things that that I think we really need to stress, especially for those of you who don't know how that that jump start happens. But the thing that I'm concerned about right now, you mentioned Kadarius Tony. I, I was going there. Obviously, uh, he's an addition. We might see some more additions. I know everybody's excited about the possibilities of another receiver, another running back, whatever it is. After this, Chris Jones things happens. Which, by the way, folks, there's no new news about. There's no nothing. So. We don't have anything to update with you uh, on Chris himself. But the dominoes that could fall afterwards, that's actually my concern. And that's why, especially if you're bringing in a veteran, maybe after the Chris Jones contract, those guys, especially because everyone that we want to talk about has never been in an Andy Reid camp before. How do you make that transition, especially if you'd be somewhere that has been quite honestly a little bit lax in, in tempo and preparation you have talented players that are proven in the NFL, but they may not be able to jump into the fray and actually contribute. We saw Frank, when he first got here, have to take a little bit of time. We saw Carlos Dunlap last year have to take a little bit of time. Now, those guys were obviously a little bit farther down the line, but when you talk about D-Hop versus Dalvin Cook and those kind of things, that's a similar situation for me. So even if that were to happen, I don't know if we see him in training camp. Do you? Yeah, you know, and, and it's different for different positions. I mean, clearly, you know, I think it's easier um, on the defensive side of the football to come in to this team than it is on the offensive side. You know, one, uh, even though Steve Spagnuolo runs a complicated scheme, it's not as complicated as some other systems that are out there. You pick up the terminology and you can pick, I think you can pick it up pretty quickly. We've seen guys be able to come in and make an impact defensively midseason. So, you know, that to me, is it's not as hard. It's much harder to me on the offensive side of the football. Uh, and, and, and positions matter. I mean, it would be easier, I think, for an offensive lineman to come in to this offense and be able to pick things up quickly because, you know, hey, Chiefs, Chiefs, while they are an innovative offense, they do the same things blocking-wise that all teams do. So, you know, it's really just learning the plays and learning the language. That's easier. It gets more difficult, I think, on the offensive side because there are so many moving parts and there's so many things to learn. And the Chiefs like for you to be able to know everybody's role so that you kind of know how you fit into the orchestra. Um, it's not as simple as just knowing your plays, you know, the, the Chiefs like for you and Andy Reid likes for you to know more than that. And, you know, frankly, with a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, the more you know, the more you're going to get. So that's the that's the other tricky part. Now, if you're a veteran like a, a Dalvin Cook or a DeAndre Hopkins, yeah, you're going to be able to come in and pick up things a little bit faster than, than, than another player. But at the same time, I'm with you in that. I, I think you have to pump the brakes on expectations when you have lost so much offseason program. I mean, you know, the, the 13 practices are one thing, but the months and months of reading the playbook and, and know, getting to know everything and being in team meetings because they've had plenty of meetings and going over the installs that you can't get back. And so that's why I, I, I say, you know, on the offensive side, especially if you're coming in this time of year into this team, you know, you can't have the same expectations if you came in in March or April. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's exactly where it, where it's at. How do they make that transition? What do the rookies have to understand? That's coming up next. First, I'm going to let you know about our friends over at FanDuel because they are doing us a favor by giving you the best deal that they can. It's time for you to take your first swing at the MLB with FanDuel, and you can get up to 10 times the amount of your first bet in bonus bets, up to $200, just for betting on what you think is happening in the baseball world. That's right, 20 bucks, and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose for jumping into FanDuel. That 200 is pretty easy to get to, especially if you're batting averages, if you're betting errors. Uh, I just saw two the other night against the Rockies. That was kind of fun. You can bet the money line or anything else in between. It's all on the app, and it's super safe and easy and simple to get into. You get paid instantly, and that's a nice bonus. There's no better place to bet on the MLB or get into the action than FanDuel. America's number one sports book. You can do it at fanduel.com slash locked on. That's right underneath me here on YouTube. And that's how you can get that $200 in bonus bets applied to your account once you get signed up. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to get in the action at FanDuel, the official uh, offline, online betting partner of Major League Baseball, the NBA, and your NFL. They're into everything. I don't know enough about baseball to get into that. But what I do know is that I am betting there will be a couple of rookies that have to face some of the music when they get in here, especially the draft picks, there's expectations. And we started to talk about it, the preparation aspect, going over at the end of mandatory minicamp about what's going to happen initially. That comes back to one of the tenants that uh, I just am putting up. It should have hit today as well uh, over on NFL33.com. Like how does a rookie meet expectations? And the first thing is professionalism. For me, in being prepared, making sure that you have followed everything that you just saw in mandatory minicamp and you've gotten yourself into the acceptable shape that you have to be in to pass these hurdles. I think every now and then somebody slips through the cracks. And I think we've seen it in Kansas City. There was a second round pick during the John Dorsey area that didn't make this roster because it wasn't prepared. And that's what I keep coming back to. I don't think that's a concern these days, but maybe it's the agents, maybe it's the teams, maybe it's the communication. I don't think that's something we have to worry about in Kansas City, do you? I, I really don't. I mean, you know, typically you've at this point you've done enough research and vetting on these candidates and these these players that you feel pretty good about them. And you know, with the Chiefs, you know, players in their draft class this year, I mean, I, I can't say there's anybody I can really point to and say, okay, well, this guy looks like maybe there's a red flag there that you should be concerned about. Because to your point, one of the things Andy Reid always talks about is that you learn in that rookie mini camp on day one who read their playbook and who did their homework during the break and who didn't. And if, if you didn't do your work, if you weren't studying your playbook and you weren't going over your notes from OTAs, it is going to be revealed in about the first five minutes of that rookie minicamp. And you are going to be in the doghouse. And then you're just going to have to be fighting your way out of it. And you're right. I mean, that can put a rookie behind the eight ball from the very beginning, even if they're just a little bit behind. Because as a rookie, for this team trying to win a Super Bowl, that's what they're trying to do. They're not just trying to go 500 or expecting to go 4-13 and 13 in a rebuilding year. You're expected to come in and contribute to a world championship team. And you can't do that if you're behind on day one. So that's that's the challenge for these rookies is to understand what they're walking into, what the expectations are, because if they don't get that, if they haven't understood that already, they will get a rude awakening to that on July 18th. But more importantly, you know, it's the whole their whole rookie season will be uphill if they start out behind. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think one of the. the stories that I want to follow up on is last year's class, all, all the DBs that were in that draft class in particular, 
they came in and studied together and roomed together and spent all that time so that they could be on the same page. That to me is exactly what you're looking for, that self-starter mentality, the ability to put in that extra time. Now, this year's class, especially uh, of draft selections, but the class in general is a little bit more hodgepodge. There's not such a concentration in any one position group. So what does that lend itself to? It comes into the second part of what I think is really key to a rookie success, and that is being able to, A, be comfortable approaching the veterans at your position group, whether they're a designated starter or a guy that you're expected to beat out, but to have that communication problem. And some guys are comfortable with that, some guys aren't. But being able to pick the brains of the vets at your position group is key, particularly in a defense that has been known for slow starts. And there's going to be some pressure this year, given the, the early uh, schedule that they have to perform. And I think that's going to be something that I, I'm going to watch for for stress on this rookie class. Yeah, and and I think this is this is fortunate to a degree because I don't think the Chiefs obviously went out and, and forced some of these things. Some of the some of it they did. I mean, give them some, some credit. They went out and got Justin Reed, who is an incredibly smart player. Um, really does like his teammates. I mean, he's a very you know you know they like to say giving player. Um, he's very approachable. He will help guys out. I mean, he is a good player to have in that leadership role as the true veteran of that secondary because you, you know, Hey, guys aren't afraid of him. I mean, they will go up to him and ask questions. He will gladly give advice. You know, Tyron Matthew was that same way too. So the chiefs have been fortunate to have a couple of, you know, veteran leaders in that secondary who were true mentor. Um, and then I think, I think they help, it helps out, you know, for, for Chukamari, Chukamari Connor and then Nick Jones that all the guys around him are young, that mm-hmm. they are, you know, a couple guys who, you know, have been through it and, you know, they don't feel maybe like they're super intimidated that, that these are, you know, six-year veterans. I mean, they're kind of all in it together. Even the second-year guys are still learning. And most importantly, I think the Chiefs are really fortunate to have a couple of guys in this group, namely Trent McDuffie and Brian Cook, that they're accountability guys. I mean, you can already get the sense that these are these are two guys that if you're not in your playbook, if you're not paying attention in meetings and you're a rookie, you know, you're in another class even, these are two guys that will hold you accountable. And when your peers are the ones holding you accountable, that's, that helps just as much as if a, if a Justin Reed or a Jarius Sneed is, is doing that to you. So I think, they, 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 hey, we know that they've got a lot of self-starters on this team, people who do and are able to motivate themselves. But I do think there's something to be said, because I think we saw it last year. I mean, you know, that that rookie class, they got along really well together, but at the same time, they were competitive and with each other. And I think that's what made them better throughout the year. I, I agree. And I, I think everything's earned. And I think last year's class is a great example of that, that, that what is a meritocracy. And that that is simply that if you perform better, you, you're not getting that that veteran nudge just because you happen to have some years in the league. If you get outperformed, you get outperformed. And that leads to some battles we're going to talk about in the next segment. But I think that makes every team harder and more seasoned. And and the steel on steel analogy that we always use, I think that helps, especially when you get a veteran group on this roster that has been through, what, four straight postseason runs that have tallied nearly half an additional season in that same time. I think that's really key of getting those young guys, the rookies, to fight for their spots and come along. Do you see any problem with that? Is there is there any outliers that I'm not thinking of other than you know the superstars and Jones and, and Kelsey and Mahomes that that are just what they are? 
No, I don't. I don't think you're you are missing anything. I think that it makes a lot of sense, and that's one thing that you know is different with I think this group of rookies is that I'm not sure there's anybody that that they're really pointing to and expecting. Okay, we need this person to come in and be an impact starter immediately. Um, you know, there's nobody I think that's really in that group. There's going to be guys that uh, they're counting on. I mean, sure, they would they would like for for Felix to be able to come in and make an impact immediately. They would like for Rasheed Rice to come in and be able to make an impact. Um, but they don't, it's not a situation where, you know, things are going to fall apart if these guys don't. So, you know, I, th- I think that this year's class probably has a little bit more of protection than maybe last year's group did because, especially with the secondary, because we knew that that, that rookie class was going to get some pressure put on it. And then the injuries put even more pressure on them so there there was a little bit of trial by fire by that group this year and and maybe this year the same thing happens i mean maybe maybe injuries pop up again and some of these young guys have to play immediately so we'll see um you never know what you can't control that so you never know what's going to happen but there should be more of a safety net for this year's rookie class than than there has been and and i think that the chiefs you know drafted a little bit like that because i see some guys like felix and bj thompson and and maybe nick jones fits into this too connor might fit into it a little bit as well um, maybe Rice does of guys that just need more time to season, you know, who just need a, you know, maybe don't need to be playing immediately, but a year of eh, red shirting, probably not the right word because some of these guys are going to play a lot, but mm-hmm. getting a chance to acclimate themselves without being full-time players and being able to play a role in year one would probably benefit them. I, I agree. And it lets them get into the flow of, of what is the NFL, because that's the biggest transition. You got to be ready for your fight. Who in particular needs to do that right after this? Now, folks, we're in the middle of this week. We're running down every single position here on the run-up to training camp, all the way down to guys that are going to make the practice squad or might be cut loose and have to find a job elsewhere. Make sure you're here every day like we are. Get liked and subbed here. And make sure you go over to ChiefsDigest.com where Matt is putting out all of his inside information on the team as well. Matt, it's it's that fight time. Everybody comes into camp in a good mood, ready to go. In the end, it boils down to some battles. The one that I one of the ones that I'm intrigued by was one that I kind of I undervalued last year. Let's let's be real. I did not anticipate Isaiah Pacheco, despite his bluster, being able to take over that lead back role. Now, part of that was due to an injury to Clyde Edwards Alaire, as we've seen almost every season. But part of that is for him out earning him. And like I said in the last segment, that Earning on merit gives him that thing, gives him that role, gives him that juice, gives him whatever he needs. But here's the thing. The guy he beat out hasn't gone anywhere. He's been kind of pissed off all offseason. So for me, this is a fight that I want to see. Do you think that there's any battle left between Clyde Eversolera and Isaiah Pacheco? Can Clyde make some kind of comment and push to be a guy that gets the majority of the snaps again? I mean, the opportunity is there. Uh, If for no other reason, too, is that I don't think that Isaiah Pacheco is going to be ready to go on day one of training camp. I mean, every indication that we've gotten from the Chiefs is that they are going to ease him back in. And it would not surprise me at all if it were a, a week or so in the training camp before we saw Isaiah Pacheco a full go. It could be later than that. Um, remember, it's a long camp this year, so they've got a little bit more time. Um, but I, I do. I mean, I, I think there's an opportunity there for Clyde to seize it 
if he chooses to do so. And I mean, I, I think I think there's good, uh, you know, good reason to see that. I mean, obviously, we get the usual stereotypical trope. He's the best shape of his career. Uh, we've heard that from a lot of people about Clyde, but he looked good. He got a lot of work during OTA. So the opportunity was there. Now it's just going to be when it gets real, when the pads come on, you know, what can he show? Can he stay healthy? Because he's going to start camp with probably the chance to be the number one guy. And he's going to have to compete because there's also some guys behind him. I mean, the Chiefs aren't going to be looking, you know, for, for Jarek McKinnon to come in and be the number one back. That, that's not really what his role is going to be. They know what his job is. But Derek Prince trying to fight for a job, too. So he's going to be nipping at Clyde's heels. So Clyde's going to have it from both directions. I mean, he's going to have the opportunity to try and challenge Pacheco for playing time. And he's going to have somebody behind him pushing him. Um, it's a lot of his, once again, is going to come down to health. It's going to be to me, how healthy is Pacheco at the beginning of camp? How quickly can he get ramped up, which he's told us that he's feeling good and ready to go. Chiefs, you know, have been conservative with them and they have admitted they're being conservative with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see what happens. I mean, it's an opportunity for Clyde and we know, we know, I mean, this could still go a lot of different ways. I think that variability is probably the biggest question because there are some similarities between uh, the the one guy and the four guy, and then there's some guessing in between. I'm still keeping an eye on Jerry and Ely because I do think he's more of a running back than a wide receiver. I think that was an experiment that didn't go very well. Look for him to come back, folks. Keep an eye out on my camp. A couple of other battles in particular for me that I'm keeping an eye on because I have a tendency to rely on Andy's median for his wide receiver position, which is – Right about five foot eleven and two hundred and five pounds. So, I think it's it's Justin Watson, uh, Justin Ross. What what is in there? What's that battle look like to be what I think is going to have to be the second guy that can go and line up the X when MBS has to come off the field? I still think that way. I don't know if Andy does, but I still think in terms of what's the best fit for a given player. That's one of the battles that I'm really interested in because we know the upside for Justin Ross if he can be healthy. The fan base is crazy for Justin Ross right now. Is this something that we have to watch day to day or do we really need to like take a snapshot at the beginning and take a snapshot, say, at preseason game number two to see what the progression is through camp? Yeah, I think I think there's going to be a few times to to kind of do a heat check to see with this receiver group, because, you know, there's quite a, quite a few of them we just don't know that much about. Um, and, and the Chiefs use OTAs, I, I think, to kind of learn trying to learn a little bit more about the receivers that they didn't know as much about. And and. And I kind of divide that group up a bit because, you know, one guy that I was kind of surprised didn't get as many looks during OTAs as he did was Richie James. But I think a big part of that is that, you know, even though he wasn't on this team, they had three years of film. They know about Richie James from that standpoint. What they don't know is they don't know Justin Ross. They they don't really know John Ross, you know, especially because, uh, you know, he was out of football a year ago. So, you know, Mm -hmm. you kind of need to get that. Rasheed Rice needed a lot of snaps. Uh, Skymore absolutely needed as many snaps as he could possibly get because you want that. That's a guy that you're really banking on having a, a breakthrough year this year. And yeah, you want Kadarius Tony and you wanted Mark Marquez to get as many snaps because you're going to be counting on both of those guys. 
And then you throw in Justin Watson, which I think I think Andy Reid does think that the way that you do as far as, hey, I need a guy in these specific roles. And it's not just that I need the six best receivers, although he'll tell you that they'll just choose the yep. five or six best. Yep. But yeah, you need the best Z. You need the best X. I mean, you need the best receiver for specific roles. Um, my my thought is that once they, re- they brought back Justin Watson, you probably answered the question there because that's a guy that they trust to be able to play all three spots. So, you know, even though the ball's not always going to come to him, he's a guy that could facilitate the offense. I mean, he's going to kind of keep the show going. And they gave him a contract that pretty much ensures he's not going anywhere. So, you know, to me, I mean, a big part of sorting out that receiver room is, you know, one, going to be who's healthy. But the first big check for me is going to be, as we like to say, when the pads come on, because that's one thing we have never seen with Justin Ross. You know, Mm -hmm. we've never seen him in pads. We've seen him in college in pads, but we have not seen him in the NFL at that level. He's, he hasn't reached that point yet. So that's going to be a test. Um, it's going to be a test for a lot of these guys. And that's why, I mean, I say I, I still think that there's nine players who have a legitimate chance to make this roster. And, you know, when you're sorting out the receiver position, you're also calculating in who's going to be your kick and your punt returner. So there's probably going to be at least one of those positions, if not two, that are one specifically on special teams. So, you know, there's a lot to, to decipher and to break down there at that, that group. And that's why, I mean, I, I could make a case for saying that there's five guys who have a, a job on this team already at receiver if they're healthy. Um, I think the Chiefs will keep six, but I think that's going to be a dogfight for that last, that last spot. Oh, see, I'm glad you bring that up because I was just going to ask you point blank. I think they keep seven. Am I crazy or is that a real possibility? Um, I've been trying to figure out a way to make it work. And, and I haven't, uh, mostly because, you know, you come down to you're probably, especially with not keeping a fullback this year, you're probably going to keep four tight ends. You've got four that you mm-hmm. like if they're all healthy. Um, and oddly enough, I mean, it, it gets down to. I agree. I think that's Matt's way of stopping before he has to tell me that I'm wrong, but that's OK. No, but then I'm going to stick at the seven. I mean, we'll how many he has to say how many offensive time. linemen? Thank you for being with here. We'll get Matt reconnected and he'll be back next week. Check out Chiefs Digest for all that he can give you. Oh, as he does reappear. Uh, it was a nice timed uh, descent there, buddy. <laughs> I didn't see. I was just going to rattle off that I, I, I'm trying to keep 10 offensive linemen. I'm trying to keep 10 defensive linemen. I'm trying to keep five linebackers. I'm trying to keep, you know, nine or 10 defensive backs. I mean, it's going to be a number crunch this year. See that this is why it's a it's a cage match battle. Tommy versus Harrison. There's only one specialist who comes out of that one. That's what I want to see. I think that's where the NFL is going. It's just not happening this year, folks. But go to Chiefs Digest and read everything the Matt has for you because he's going to give you the insight that tells you that I'm a little bit crazy, but I'm still holding out hope. So thanks for being with us today. Make sure you like something, hit that that bell, Matt. Thanks for your time. We appreciate you. Absolutely, always, Ryan. Take care, everybody. <laughs> Have a great day today, folks. We'll be back with you tomorrow. We'll finish out the week and next week getting ready for that roster presentation all the way down the depth chart. Have a good one. We'll talk to you tomorrow.